0: Hey, what's up, everybody? AJ here. Going to recap the entire UFC card that just took place. UFC uh, Fight Night, Watterson versus Hill. Uh, it was a fun event. We had uh, one of the more you know, unusual cards in that we had 10 favorites on this card, betting favorites, that were minus 200 or higher. Um, and we were coming off a week where There was a lot of closely lined fights the biggest favorite on the last card was brian kelleher uh, taking on a very short notice replacement um but this card there was a a tremendous amount of favorites relatively speaking i realized that last card had less fights uh this card has plenty more but um you know even just going back a few weeks ago this was one of those cards where uh, the betting odds had you know one of the more um you know wider disparities in the betting odds uh for for a lot of these matchups that i'll get into so overall it was a good event profited ever so slightly in terms of uh betting uh betting nights um 0. 0.07 units profit so it's just the slightest of profits um but uh happy to uh, essentially break even and profit and learn uh, nonetheless um i feel like i don't have to win or learn i feel like i could do them both in the same time um at the end of the day i don't want to do this i don't want to do this whole uh you know betting um, thing that i do here uh because i want to be the best i don't want to be the best i want to do this because i love doing it um i set goals for myself i don't compare myself to others i don't feel the need to we're all at different points uh respectively and as a result i just feel like the comparison is nonsensical and i just set goals and i try my best to achieve them and as a result i just have to be okay with uh, the results that occur because uh, at the end of the day uh, i realize that i don't know the future i can't predict the future um i can only work with what i got um they got you got to work with what you got and uh you know sometimes some stuff happens that's you know kind of unforeseeable unpredictable that sort of thing uh, but we got to work with what we got and um I, I got to be okay with the decisions that I make at the end of the day. And sometimes they work and that's great. Sometimes not so much. Uh, but like I said, uh, always willing to learn in this game. Um, I'm humbled to that. And, uh, cause if, if I just, you know, feel as though I've mastered this, so to speak, there's, there's just no, um, it just doesn't make the journey as exciting. Uh, even in itself, there's always, there's always stuff to learn from and whatever it is. Um, uh, so anyway, with all that said, just some general thoughts there, but, uh, it was solid card so yeah the bet the bets, uh 0.07 units profit i had a two unit parlay with bobby green and andrea lee i also had three units at minus 145 on the quarantillo nelson fight doesn't go to decision so that explains like the slight profit the the parlayed odds with green and, and Lee to win was minus 122 um like i said minus 145 so just an ever so slight profit there um in terms of the rationale for the bets. Uh, I thought Andre Lee's takedown offense, while it has historically shown to be a bit shaky, um, I noticed mainly on tape she was being taken down by double legs. Not so much stuff um, from the clinch. At least consistently, she's a brown belt in judo, um, and a lot of Roxanne's takedowns were from the clinch position. Um, and Roxanne, per statistics and per eye test, um, isn't the most like I guess efficient wrestler in terms of just uh, landing takedowns on like a you know a fifty percent accuracy basis or something like that. And I just thought that even if Roxanne could get her down, uh, Andrea Lee should be able to work her way back up to the feet promptly, um, and win the fight on the feet, uh, if she'd like to, or she could land takedowns of her own. Um, but obviously that didn't work out the way I thought it would. And as a result that, uh, that leg of the parlay did not cash. And like I said, I'm okay with it. It happened. And next, uh, Bobby green, uh, felt good about him as a bet as well. That one worked out. Um, just not too much to say. I just thought he was the better fighter all around. I guess the concern for parlaying him would just be that he's sometimes fights more competitively than he needs to, but at the same time, um, it was a risk I was willing to take. I didn't really think that Patreit was the same type of fighter as like Tracar Close or Francisco Rinaldo or Venada, like other fighters that uh, Bobby has recently fought that he like struggled to pull away from fights. I'm talking about the first matchup of Lando, the second one was fairly dominant in favor of Bobby. Um so it's, it's circumstantial in that sense. Like, yes, on one hand, Bobby has, you know, fought with uh, a lack of urgency or not exactly uh, put as much into a fight in terms of just output as, say, he would otherwise in these fights against Jakarta Close and Francisco Trinaldo, which were decisions that a lot of people thought he won. Um, but at the same time, those fighters stylistically had the tools to make those fights competitive in itself. Whereas Patrick, I just thought uh, Green was the vastly better striker, craftier, more technical higher output, more threatening. I think if a, a knockout was going to materialize, it would come from, uh, green, um, and, and green was the better wrestler, which is what Patrick utilizes to in fights, basically wrestling, grappling, winning top control time. And, and green was the better wrestler as we saw there. So I felt good about that. Um, again, I don't regret throwing Lean the parlay. I just, I thought I had a good read and it didn't work out that way. And then the corn till Nelson basically, um, Nelson, I thought, had a legit shot to win by KO in round one while he was fresh. Uh, historically, he slows down. That's well documented. That's not some, some kind of revelation that I'm making. I, I realize that you guys probably already know that, but just explaining the logic. Um, and uh, he was going to be, I think, a threat to to knock out Billy. I just thought that while Nelson was fresh, better striker. He's got some power, uh, more technical. Um, Billy's been stopped via strikes once, although I do think his durability is overall solid. So it was a legitimate possibility, but if Billy – Uh, got the fight to the ground, got uh, Nelson flat on his back. I think there was opportunity for him to pass guard uh, and get the stoppage, just like we saw Nelson in his UFC debut. in His following fight against Matt Sales uh, struggled to defend on the ground, and his result was stopped. Um, And uh, Billy could also – I guess the the path to victory that more so materialized was kind of just wear Nelson down with the pace. I didn't expect like a one-shot KO uh, type of deal going on. I, I It was partly due to fatigue, but also partly looked like he actually legitimately rocked Nelson. So a combination of the two didn't really foresee the finish materializing like that. But hey, uh, however it happens, it happens, I guess. Uh, Sometimes you just don't see him coming. It almost reminds me of when I cashed Ariane Lipsky to beat Luana Carolina. Like by no means was I expecting a knee bar to happen, but it happened. Uh, So just some kind of interesting thing you just look at tape and you, there's nothing that crosses my mind that's like oh yeah Lipsky wins this fight by knee bar. like that's gonna happen it's like you know it's just mma is gonna mma sometimes i guess but uh yeah um feel good about it overall and then just uh looking forward to get getting right back into the, the research um for the next card but uh, as it pertains to for, from a betting perspective of course i uh, haven't done anything really with that yet but uh as it pertains to the rest of the fights, um, just some takeaways, some quick ones. Um, I actually missed the Mazo and Kish fight. I'll have to go back and watch this. Um, but it, it looked like the, there was a lot of people on Kish. I uh, found out after the fact. Um, and it looked like you know she was like the value side because she was making the fight a lot more competitive than the odds indicated. But we saw Mazo there uh, get the stoppage. I actually did think that Mazo was the better grappler. Kish is is defensively liable on the ground. Like Just looking at the Fleece-Herrick fight, her guard was passed like 10 plus time was, was nearly submitted there. Like other fights as well against Ashley Yoder. She, she was like mounted there. Um, I acknowledge that like, I guess Mazo would have the advantage on the ground, but I just, I didn't think that that's not really her game. She prefers to strike and it makes sense because she's a good striker. She's technical. She's long. She throws a lot of volume. So it's just another one of those things where like, I just, I didn't really see, see that coming. Um, but it happened. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome for everybody on Mazo. Uh, she's a very talented young lady trains at Kings MMA with the likes of Benio Dariush, Marvin Vittori, Fabricio Verdun, Kelvin Gaslam, uh, so many other very talented fighters. So I, I think this woman has a very high upside. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. Brian Barbarina came back after a lot of uh, red flags on his side, just listening to his interviews. Um, uh, one of them in particular, uh, he, he got up to his highest 250 pounds, uh, he had like a, a back surgery about a year ago, and he took a year off uh, between the back surgery and now. So that's good that he took time off. But it was one of those things where it, is the layoff good for him or, or not? We're not really sure. And then the you know cutting um, around eighty pounds down to welterweight is, is always a, a concern. I guess you just don't know what the guys can show up looking like, especially coming off two stoppage losses after he's uh, for the for the vast majority of his career, should to be really durable. Um, I wouldn't say Barbera is the most technical fighter. He relies a lot on his like grid toughness and cardio. Um, he just it's just kind of like um, I guess nerve wracking to back him as a big favorite because he just he just doesn't really fight all that technically. Um, he's really tough. He hits he hits like a truck, and he's got good volume and cardio, and he's not going to go away. But um, his striking defense is a bit uh, vulnerable. I'd say uh, he can be taken down. Uh, though his takedown defense held up for the most part in this fight, he can be controlled and threatened with submission attempts, doesn't really uh, fundamentally defend, uh, you know, submission submission attempts like in the Vincente Luque fight, uh, just basically tucked his chin and, and just kind of outgraded the position basically. So it's hard for me to always like back a big favorite if I, I don't think that they're like technically proficient enough to really pull away from the fight. Um, but nonetheless, uh, just kind of talking about Bar- brain as a fighter, it was just, again, kind of going to the rationale of like, why I couldn't bet him, even though I did think there was a legit shot that he could go out here and basically do what Christian Aguilera did, which is win by quick knockout. Um, Ivy definitely made a better account of himself here, though, for sure. Um, he still, you know, the striking exchanges were a bit, you know, interesting there. Um, but uh, he, he got Brian to the ground a couple times, was able to get around on one of the judges' scorecards. So that was definitely a better, um, a, a better outing. Uh, for for ivy that then say his debut so i'm really happy to see uh brian go back in the ufc come or come af, come back after a layoff rather get a win um, against a, a tough and valiant opponent and uh you know hopefully we see him in more exciting fights i, I can't recall last time i've seen a a boring brian Barbarina fight i don't think i ever have so um that should be fun going forward jalen turner taking the fight on super short notice against brock weber he stepped in on literally Uh, very short notice the fight week supposed to be, I shouldn't say supposed to be, but initially it was Frank Camacho and Brock Weaver, uh, Camacho pulled out, I believe it was due to a COVID, uh, positive test and in steps Jalen Turner, who we saw last card was supposed to fight Tiago Moises, Moises, uh, test positive for COVID fight got scrapped. Turner was right back in the gym though, which is something that I thought was noteworthy. Looked at his Instagram, just right back on the horse in the gym, um, doing his thing. So that's good that he was like, you know, fight ready, despite the the short notice. Like, of course he wasn't prepared to fight Weaver on however many hours notice, but he was training for, uh, training to fight nonetheless. And the odds makers had him as a big favorite. And he certainly looked like a big favorite out there. Uh, hurt Weaver more than once, um, Better grappler, and he, he won by Renee Uh Trains with R- Roosevelt Roberts, uh, who we saw fight Weaver a few months ago as well. Also on this card that I'll get to. Um, but yeah, very impressive by, uh, performance by the Tarantula, uh, Jalen Turner, his nickname. Um, big guy, huge guy for the weight class. Um, this fight, this bout was at catch weight due to the short notice nature, but uh, six foot three at 155 pounds. Uh, man. And he, he's a strong guy as well. So, uh, yeah, Jalen Turner, I'd say, has got a bright future. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he how he does going forward. I think the guy's got a really bright future. Alexander Romanoff taking on uh, Roque Martinez. Yeah, uh, this was something. Romanoff's just a beast in there, man. I don't know what else to say. Uh, just so strong and physical with the takedown. And once he gets the opposition down, he's good at uh, passing the guard. Uh, getting mounts and he, he does his signature uh, King Kong ground and pound um, looks for the submission. If he likes, he just looks to get a dominant position was looking for the mountain crucifix there a couple times. This guy, I, I just looking at the heavyweight division, there's a lot of heavyweights that are capable of wrestling, but not a lot of rest uh, wrestling based heavyweights like heavyweights that come in where their, their plan a game plan is to wrestle really. It's just kind of Curtis blades, right? I mean, obviously we know fighters like Alistair Overing can wrestle, uh, you know, Cyril Ghosn can wrestle. He's re- like, guys have wrestled before, um, at Blagoj another guy, but to come in with that wrestling based game plan, like that is your, um, initiative that you're going to take uh, upon the bell ringing is to look to get the fight to the ground Not many. Uh, so Romanoff that in itself, I think makes him a unique fighter in this weight class. Um, he's a, just a big, strong guy. Um, so once he gets fighters down, it's going to be tough for them to get off of him. So I think that, you know, it, it might seem kind of like, um, I don't, I don't think it is like that big of a reach to say that Romanoff has a solid ceiling in the UFC. I do. Um, he's 12 and zero. like, yeah, he hasn't faced a loss or anything, but he's athletic, big, strong, fast, I'd say. I think he's he's got there's a lot to work with with Romanov and I would actually like to see the UFC uh, try and rebook him with Delima if not somebody else he's a gentleman who I believe trains in Europe he's from Moldova memory serves and so if he stays in the area you know he's you know tells the matchmakers if he'd like I like another you know fight recently <laughs> who knows they might give him one because um, it's hard to deny that UFC. Uh, debut the guy was so dominant really from bell to bell and you know it only went to round two but the guy really didn't show to slow down all that much i mean he definitely didn't have like a massive cardio dump or anything so i like what i see out of romanoff um looking forward to seeing how he looks going forward um this was the the first fight where there was a huge upset here kevin kareem one of the biggest underdogs on the card and it was part of part of the reason why was because he took the fight on such short notice it was initially Matt Favola taking on Roosevelt Roberts. Favola pulled out and stopped Kroon. Caught Roosevelt with a big shot of the feet and uh, got them out of guillotine choke. Um yeah, I mean that was crazy. Didn't see that one, didn't see that one coming, excuse me. Um yeah, just you know, MMA never ceases to um amaze me. It really doesn't. I mean, you just get all these like crazy outcomes uh where you just at the end of the day, it's a fist fight, so anybody can, in theory, win in any given uh, Sunday, I guess, type of logic if you're a football fan. Um, but but anything could happen. Everybody's got a chance. Um, anything is possible. Um, so Kevin Kroon went out there, made a statement as UFC. From what I saw on Twitter, he got a performance bonus, so good for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing who he draws next. Roosevelt Roberts, this is two fights in a row where uh, he's been stopped in the first round. Um, I would say just... You know, I, I would hope that he takes some time off here and really, you know, kind of homes in on, you know, sharpening it up a little bit. I do think that Roosevelt is very talented. I, I think that maybe just these two performance, two performances haven't really showed truly how talented he is. Like it's like a results-oriented type of thing. We're losing by stop. It certainly is not ideal circumstances. At the same time, I don't think it paints the full picture of the type of fighter Robert Roberts is. Um, I do think he's talented. I, I just think that, you know, maybe he needs to take a, take a step back, uh, to, or not take a step back, but, you know, take a step forward, but at the same time when you're progressing, just do so. Train a bit and, you know, see if the UFC can get him up about in the next few months or so. Because I just think that maybe he could go back here and, and sharpen up a bit, uh, sharpen up the already impressive skill set. But uh, Kevin Kroom, looking forward to see who he Seeing who he draws next, he's uh, he trains with James Krause, so that's awesome. James Krause has, uh, you know, they, they do work with uh, Grant Dawson, other very talented fighters, Megan Anderson. Uh, so they got a lot of good things going on there. Um, Julia Vila, this was another upset. Uh, Sajari Ubanks coming through as a, a massive uh, underdog per the betting odds. Um, yeah, it was just uh, once Sarge got the fight to the ground, and she looked like a favorite. I, I don't know how else to say it. She dominated top control, looking at ESPN right now, 10 10 minutes and 12 seconds of top control time on three takedowns. Uh, Avila definitely had her moments. She came out hot in round one. She got round one on the judges' scorecards. But um, both women are so tough and tenacious, tough to finish, obviously, um, skilled on the ground, skilled on the feet, both possess power, but are both very tough and durable. Um, So it's, it's really no surprise that the fight went to a decision, I guess, in that sense. Uh, despite the fact that they have finished fights in the past. But uh, Sajara just coming out here and uh, second one in a row um, where she, you know, she has had the tendency in the past of not gassing uh, as the fight progresses, but slowing down, not so much in terms of her output count, but, but you know, her uh, movement is a bit more labored than say it was in round one, but this is really encouraging. Two fights in a row where Sajara came out strong later on in the fight. She actually, you know, lost round one here, but then one one rounds two and three. Um do does great work, does Sarge and uh with, with Mark Henry in, in New Jersey and all those very talented fighters. Um so yeah, I, I thought that was just a tremendous performance. C- congrats to everybody that cashed her as an underdog or, or any of these underdogs that, or any of the favorites rather that that cashed. Uh, that's awesome. Like I said off the top, I don't get a I don't get offended if uh you know, somebody is on somebody that I'm not. I, I don't strive to be the best. I just I do this because I love it. So I am genuinely happy uh, for anybody that that made that made money. And if not, all I could say is just uh, there's lessons to be learned. It's okay that you could get back at it next event. Um, and and you know we've got football coming up here tomorrow. It's crazy. Um, so a lot of good things going on right now. It's things are getting better. Uh, so yeah, Cortillo. Uh, yeah, I mean this was just pretty dominant. Uh, well, I shouldn't say dominant, but uh, you know, once you know, once uh, he started to pressure Kyle, get in his face more, you, you could tell the tide was certainly t- turning. The first round was competitive. Certainly, Kyle got his licks in, um, but Quarantillo just that nonstop pace and pressure. Uh, Quarantillo is another fighter who who has shown in the past to be kind of a slow starter in round one. He's lost round one a couple times, like on his contender series fight against Spike Carlisle. Um, but this one, you know, even if he lost it, I guess, on the judges scorecards, I wouldn't say he started slow here. Um, he, he definitely held his own and arguably one round one himself. It was very competitive. Uh, he just walk you down in your face, pace pressure. The guy's got tremendous cardio. Um, the guy's not going to slow down, you know? So, uh, yeah, just an outstanding performance. I thought that, you know, Kyle's path to victory was to win by quick knockout. It could have happened, but it didn't. Um, and as a result, we saw uh, Billy, excuse me, take over and, and win by stoppage there in, in the very beginning of round three. You know, so just very excellent. I know a lot of people after the fact said they cashed Gordon That's awesome. Uh, kudos to you. Bobby Green defeating Patrick. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot to say here. Just Bobby Green doing his thing in 2020. Um took the fight on short notice, just like Rodriguez, who I'll get to, it worked out for him. And I'll just say this. I just, with these fighters taking these fights on short notice, it's always a risk because you're not as optimally prepared as you otherwise would. But I would just like to point out that fighters taking these risks, it's, I got to, we, I, I personally approach it from just a non results oriented standpoint, like Vincente Luque, for instance, he takes fights with, Nico Price, again, the second time, and Randy Brown, two fighters that are ranked below him that aren't in the top 15. He could easily be fighting somebody that's in the top 15, but he's choosing not to. He wins those fights convincingly, but if we if we see Vincente Luque lose, then I feel like there's a lot of uproar, and I, I don't personally get it because at the end of the day, it's it's a results oriented type of thing. We're not really saying this type of stuff unless if he loses where like in the Joanne Calderwood versus Jennifer Biafai, for instance, Joanne Calderwood took the fight and it's a, it was a risk she was willing to take. But again, we got to be okay with the decisions that we're making here because we don't know the result of the outcome before it plays out. Um, so it, it's always a risk to, to take these quote unquote risky fights. But at the end of the day, these fighters want to get in there, get paid, and, and ideally get another win under the belt. But I, I would just like to point out that it, I don't think it's fair to criticize the fighters that are taking these risks and losing. But at the same time there's fighters that are taking the risk and winning. And you know whatever, there's not there's not nearly as much up or nothing like that. But at the end of the day, these fighters are essentially making the same type of decision. But there's a lot of criticism for the fighters that don't work that it doesn't work out for, uh, versus fighters that it does work out for. It's just, it's just a risk where, again, we don't know the outcomes of how these fights play out and their risks they're willing to take. Um, so just something I'd like to bring up. I just, I don't want to get too, uh, I guess, reactive to these, to these sort of circumstances because at the end of the day, it's just, like I said, we don't, we don't know the future. So, um, I, don't, I don't feel the need to, to say, like, this was a bad decision or anything like that, like, because the fighters think that it's a good decision, and I'm sure they thought long and hard about it, and at the end of the day, they, they did it, and so just something I'd like to to point out,
1: because, you know, Mike Rodriguez
0: took this fight on very short notice, and unfortunately, it did not work out for him the way, uh, well, even the way the fight played out, I mean, it was it was going very well for him, I mean, he had the fight pretty much stop there more than once, two or three times, and uh, there's a little bit of, a you know, uncertainty with the referees, decision making. And again, human error, nobody's perfect. Um, again, another criticism thing. I feel like people are only getting on the referees when they're wrong and not, you know, as I, I guess, uh, encouraging when they're right. But at the end of the day, they have such a tough job. So I don't feel the need to. To, to say anything critical to them because they have such a such a tough job. It's so intense to be in there during the middle of a fistfight and orchestrating it, basically and making sure everybody's following the right protocol. Um, but at the same time, like I said, when when they do something right or when a referee does something right, it's just like it's it's almost as if nothing ever happened. It's like they can only do something wrong and they can't do something right. It's just not it's just not a fair assessment, uh, in my personal estimation. So um, just something I'd like to bring out. I don't think it's it's exactly fair to approach it that way. Um, but in this particular circumstances, from what I saw on Twitter, Mike Rodriguez actually got his win money um, because there was a little bit of an error there in round two. Um, and uh, the fight was could have easily been stopped. Uh, Ed Herman is one of the toughest guys in the history of the UFC. And that's really saying something because he did not get discouraged by the adversity that he faced early on in this fight. He got He got hurt. He was almost stopped a few times, but he did not let that stop him. It was very inspiring to see at Herman dig deep um, and get and get the Comora stoppage there in round three. Um it was just it was just so impressive. I mean, it was one of the more uh you know impressive come come from behind victories. It almost reminded me of Trevor Jones versus uh, uh Timor Valia from a few cards ago. Just very inspiring. Don't let the circumstances right now discourage you if they aren't going your way. Never give up for committed person there's no such thing as failure. Um, so that was very impressive. Again, like, like I said, I'm really happy that Mike got his, his win money. Roxanne Mataferi. Again, this was one the the bet I got wrong. I I was on Lee here. Uh, just a very impressive performance by Roxanne. She continues to do her thing with the jujitsu. She's just such a, just such an ace on the ground, a, a black belt, uh, positionally. She's very good. Historically, she has shown that when she takes the opposition down, she's good at passing guard. One of the statistics that I came across, uh, when researching this fight, that in the seven takedowns that Roxanne landed, and I think her, in, in, what, in however many recent fights, she advanced 16 times. Like, that's very good positional control. Um, and obviously, she's very experienced. Uh, she's faced women like Jennifer Maya, Antonina Shevchenko, um, you name it. I mean, just Sajara Eubanks on this card. I mean, she's just she's just so experienced. So really happy to see the happy warrior, emerge uh, Victorious um that's awesome yeah she's uh, unfortunately it, it looks like she's been well not unfortunately but it just it is what it is but she's been trading wins and losses here uh for her past few fights which is pretty interesting i know there's like some i guess some trends with some other fighters like uh, random marcos comes to mind but yeah ever since uh yeah um uh, may of 2017 on on to now she's been tra- or yeah been trading wins and losses that's interesting huh it just kind of happened um so, yeah, happy happy for the happy warrior, Andrea Lee. Um, I, I do think she needs some work on that that takedown defense, not just in terms of the double legs, uh, but the clinch as well. Um, so, yeah, just uh, I'd say a, a definitely a good performance by Roxanne. A good performance by Lee as well. Just didn't come out with her hand raised. Um, so kudos to both ladies there. The coming event, this one was was what we were all looking for, at least, you know, me. Um, and a lot of other people, you know, a Itar worthy. This fight was just gonna be awesome. Both guys have very heavy hands. Um, and a Itar it was a Zitar that emerged victorious here. Um, he's a come forward, uh tough, durable guy with, like I said, a lot of power in his hands. Um, just a fearless man in there, uh, a fan-friendly guy. We have not seen him since UFC 242, where he got a very impressive KO in his UFC vict- uh UFC debut, excuse me. So he uh yeah, I mean, that was just so impressive. Uh, again, I don't remember the bonuses. It was it was one of those nights. It was a little tougher for, for the bonuses because I think you could have given it out to a lot of fighters here. Um, but anyway, I mean, it was it was like one of those perf- performances where you're like, whoa, that's that's definitely like bonus worthy. Again, <laughs> no pun intended. But, um, you know, on a night where you, you have a fight of the night, which was the main event, that leaves you with only two performance bonus winners. Unfortunately, it's only got to be two fighters. But in reality, I think you could get you could give each and every single one of these fighters that wanted a performance bonuses because it was honestly just tremendous from top to bottom. Um, so kudos to uh, Zaitar. It was just such a it was just such a quick knockout. I don't, I don't feel the need to say that much more other than that. Was just awesome for him against the guy who who who's been two and zero in the UFC. Came through as a big underdog. Both fights against Pena and, and Smith. Um, so kudos to Ottoman and Zaitar. That's awesome. And I think his brother. Um, is supposed to fight here coming up soon against uh, Joaquin Buckley. So that's going to be a fun fight as well. I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, awesome stuff by both guys. Uh, The main event, yeah, um, Watterson and Hill, you know, it was one of those fights, honestly, I don't think it was a quote-unquote robbery. I just – I feel like when the fight is debatable either way, I I don't feel like it's just a, a robbery. Personally, I think that in my personal opinion, and I'm just going off my memory from watching it live. That's the only time I've watched it any of these fights. Hill clearly won round one. Watterson clearly won round three. And I thought rounds two, four, and five were kind of kind of toss-ups, to be honest. I I didn't think they were too definitive either way. Um I think that if you're asking me where where my leans at, I thought that I would lean Hill one round two. I would lean that Waterson one round four and I would slay ever so slightly lean by the slimmest of margins out of those five rounds that Watterson edged round five. Um, She's just a little bit fresher that the impact of the kicks, I think was a better visual in the judge's eyes. Again, that's my take. I realize that not everybody agrees with that. We all have different perspectives and therefore I don't feel the need to argue with anybody because we all see this stuff through a different set of eyes. And as a result, I value everybody's opinion. Everybody's got a unique opinion. Everybody's entitled their own opinion and that sort of thing. Um, so again, scored it for Watterson, but at the same time, it's like really, honestly, who won? I thought the fans won. I mean, that was just a tremendous fight. Like I said, fight of the night. Um, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, unfortunate in the sense for, for Hill. That's two split decision losses in a row. Um, she, she's just continuing to make history though. I mean, it's so inspiring seeing Angela, Angela Hill, uh, go out there fight as frequently as she does just make a statement as often as she does. I mean, this is a woman who you could tell I was very inspired by, you know, after her loss to random Marcos where she, it was an unfortunate loss for her, but you could tell from the following fight on that she had tremendously worked on her defensive grappling and wrestling like a lot. Um, and she, she, she said it openly. and I believe it 110%. Um, so it's not a bad loss by any means. What Michelle Watterson herself was coming off a split decision, lost to Carlos Barza. Both these ladies are tremendous fighters. It just speaks to how awesome the women's strawweight division is. You talk about this division, and honestly, it's just got an abundance of talent. I mean, these two women are – I'm going to pull up the rankings here really quickly as I'm on UFC.com. Um, so – Currently, Angela Hill is ranked 13th in the women's strawweight division and Watterson is ranked 8th. And that just speaks volumes as to how tremendous this division is because both ladies are super talented, just analyzing them as fighters, very well-rounded. Uh, they can both strike well. They've, they've fought very good level competition. competition, their experience. Um, they've got solid cardio, like tremendous. Um, and so the fact that these two ladies – uh, went out there and fought as competitively as they did. I mean, it just speaks to how good of fighters they really are. They don't really – not neither woman has, like, a hole in their game that's, you know, glaring or anything like that. Obviously, these fighters can improve uh, their game one way or another, sharpen up their already impressive skill set. We could all improve one way, shape, or form. Nobody's perfect. But, um, you know, it just speaks volumes to how tremendous this this strawweight division is. You know, it, it really does blow me away uh, how tremendous it's it's come along. I mean – you, the UFC's got a lot of good things going on right now, um, just in terms of the training regimens. Uh, you know, people are going to, to different camps that they think will benefit them. You know, I know Matt Schnell pulled out of his fights against Tyson M, but he made a transition to Fortis MMA. Uh, we see fighters going to American Top Team, so fighters are are definitely very smart. They're adapting. Uh, they, they notice the things we notice, like what, where, where's a good place to train, where's a place that will benefit me. And some fighters are, you know, a little bit different. They don't want to be at that big camp. They want a more concentrated uh, camp where, where they're, you know, not, not they're the, th- that they're the, the sole focus, but where they're one of the, you know, it's a smaller group. It's like, you know, in college, lecture hall versus just a regular class size of 20 or 30 students. Uh, it's better for some people. So um, everybody's different and different things work for different people. Therefore, um, so anyway, I guess my closing remarks would be just tremendous card. Um, happy that everything went well. Um, I'm happy that we had 12 fights instead of seven. Um, again, I realized that a little pe- people were a little bit bummed last week about the seven fights. Uh, but the reality is I'm, I'm fine with it because the other day we got fights. So, um, and, and like, let's think about this. When was the last time we had a seven fight card to my knowledge? I think the statistic was 2005. Uh, so history would suggest that we don't have to deal with that sort of circumstances for, for much long. If, if you're, you know, I guess not, not satisfied with it or whatever, but uh, end of the day, we got Covington Woodley next week. Tremendous card, tremendous main card. Um, honestly, I'm blown away by this card, to be honest with you. Um, and then the following week we got out Costa. I mean, we've got cards up until the end of the year. Uh, I know I said it before, but I'm just very, very excited about it. And, uh, just just stoked i mean they, they got fights lined up uh shout out to the matchmaker sean shelby and Mick Mater. they do a tremendous job just off the cuff booking these fights left and right they got they're just so prepared i mean all the ufc's just during this time it's just been tremendous uh they've been busting their asses to to get everything going and, and they have they've, they've done tremendous like i give them an a plus i was gonna grade uh how they've been doing it's it's just been truly amazing to be a ufc fan um and, and things are getting better as we speak i think so Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Hope you enjoyed this breakdown and uh, catch you next week.